Welcome to the Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. Thank you for listening to this introduction of the Chaos Plan. We will be doing these regularly as part of the Homebrew Review Podcast. All it takes to join the game is to donate and be a part of our Patreon page. For $2 a month, you're guaranteed this style of game, as well as larger groups of four to six people, depending on how many people are able to record at whatever time we say we are going to. This will be done mostly over our Discord channel, which is another perk of our Patreon page. If you join for just a dollar, not only will you have access to all of the audio files there, but you can also listen to us live. We will be recording, like I said, on Discord, so just mute your mic and listen in on the fun. We really hope to see you all here, as this is something that we are very, very passionate about and want to keep going. This is a live-style game and will be a ton of fun for anybody that wants to join. If you have friends and groups, all of you guys can donate and play as a group when you are able to. I will not be the only DM. I know you guys are probably getting tired of hearing me, so we will also have guest DMs running their own games in this In My World, so we hope to see you there. Thank you for joining us for another introduction of the Chaos Plan. This week, I have David Campbell with me. He will be playing his character and starting off in the wonderful world of Arcadia. So we will go ahead and get started with David. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Hi, uh, I'm David Campbell. I've been playing D&D for a couple of years now. Um, been playing with Robert for a couple of years now. So um, I'm in college right now. So I, I don't have as much time for it. But, um, you know, every, every once in a while, uh, Robert's got something cool going on. So I make up a character throw a backstory in there and uh, join when I can. So uh, this is one of those one of those types of things. So um, the character I made up today is a dragonborn cleric named al Now, so so this is all um, regular player's handbook stuff. So I, I know that's kind of weird because like almost everyone else in the Chaos Plan is doing a, a home, homebrew character of some type or another, but... Um, I, part of it was I didn't have time to um, search for a homebrew class that I knew I would want to play long term, and part of it was I just um, I thought a cleric would fit really well uh, with this with the group that we already have going, and I, I just thought that would be a better fit. Al Safat is a dragonborn. He's a life cleric, and he was born in a dragonborn clan in the frozen path. It was a. They live in a very secluded clan. Um, it's a little bit north of the Crystal Temple, and being um, brass dragons, they they tend to stay underground mostly, um, just based on the temperature and the climate there. It's pretty much a necessity. Now, due to that and um, the culture of the clan, they've become they've become quite excluded. So they, they don't have a lot of contact with the outside world. 
if there are people、um, from other places coming and going, it's mostly for trade, or you know, the, the people that are coming and going there, they have business there. They aren't coming around. There are no tourists in in the clan.、Um, it's their group. They're very secluded. They're very closed off. But as a result of that, they also have these really strong familial ties.、Um, people end up being extremely devoted to their clan. I mean, they 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 spend their entire lives serving the clan, doing what they can to help their family and、uh, make sure that the clan can survive, and doing stuff for the good of the clan. In the in the chaos clan, there was this historic change in the world where where the tides of magic and technology suddenly. Shift, and that's that's、um, from, the, from the time we're playing right now.、Um, it's it was about 350 years, ago. and at that time, this clan was this clan was around, and it was actually much larger. And and they noticed that that something had changed in the world, but they they didn't really know what. They, they, it took a long time for them to actually find find out what was going on, figure out the the huge monumental changes that were going on in the world. And so they decided that their their way of living, of being so secluded, of being so closed off to the outside world, that it, it just couldn't go on that way. So they they elected this position called the chosen, where you know at your adolescence, one person would be chosen as a clan to kind of act as an emissary to the outside world. They would go around exploring,、uh, keeping an eye on major、uh, world shifting events. And every once in a while, come back and report to the clan elders as to、uh, what's going on, what are the major events, what are the things they need to know about to,、uh, to protect the clan,、uh, things like that. And it's it's an extremely honorable position. It's it's a huge honor to be chosen,、uh, but it also means that you're going to spend most of your life outside of the clan. And so my character, the The crux of his character is that he's extremely devoted to his faith. He's extremely devoted to his clan, but to serve his clan, he has to leave and he has to he has to spend most of his life outside,、um, separated from them. And so that's you know that 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 sucks.、Um, what else are you gonna say? So、uh, yeah, that's kind of the crux of my character. That's that's the thing that motivates him is that family dynamic. The Devotion to his clan, but also the, you know, the pain he feels at being separated them, separated from them,、uh, because of his his duty to serve the clan.、Um, and yeah, so his main goal, I guess, is to, you know, to see the world, to do some adventuring, kind of represent his clan to the outside world, to,、uh, you know, do good and represent the their set of values. The outside world, but、um, also he's trying to、uh, keep an eye on things and to do anything he can on the outside to protect his clan apart. So anytime he sees something that could be a threat to his clan,、um, even if it even if it would take for like a hugely long amount of time for it to actually affect them, he he needs to、uh, he feels the need to take care of them. So yeah, that's it. Okay then. So, because of your Dragon Clan being as secluded as you are,、um, you don't get a whole lot of visitors, like you said, other than、um, 
You mentioned the occasional uh, trading deal with the Crystal Temple a little bit um, for supplies and whatnot. Maybe the occasional hunter uh, buying meat off them as they get close enough that you guys can contact. It was then one of those occasions that uh, led you to hiring Frost. Frost, you rolled up with your random rolls I asked for earlier, is a Ice Genasi Ranger. Uh, she is a avid hunter and uh, spends most of her time wandering the wastelands uh, not too close to Wintermere, but kind of on that northern half or north uh, eastern half of the Frozen Cap to kind of help one with uh, income based type things as far as like bringing in money and trading meat and all of that kind of other stuff, but also she is very much up to a challenge of slaying these massive beasts. So it was one such occasion where she was dragging a uh, slain... Let me roll for it. She was dragging a slain polar bear. So your clan would have contacted Frost, some sort of signal or whatever, and would have purchased some of this meat from her before she left. And while doing so, the clan elders would have uh, mentioned to her about, at some point, they would maybe need to hire her to uh, help escort one of the clan in this coming-of-age ceremony. They would want to hire her uh, to keep you not so much safe and from bandits and whatnot, but mostly to help against... Uh, the white dragons that you know uh, frequent this area. Unfortunately, the brass dragons and the white dragons, big surprise, don't get along. <laughs> so the clan would have sent a message out at the Crystal Light Temple for Frost to uh, come when they're when she is able to, uh, because the previous chosen is not in the best of health. It could be at any time that the chosen will pass on and the next chosen will be selected and that chosen has to leave on that journey to live away from the clan for a while. So uh, the word is sent out and Frost, with impeccable timing for some reason, uh, is able to arrive the day the uh, chosen passes, basically. The, the chosen passed away uh, the night before and she arrives that next day bringing with her a large amount of mammoth meat, one of the great beasts that roam these uh, frozen wastelands. And she brings it, uh, of course the elders then purchase it from her, and throw a bit of a memorial type deal, uh, a going away party, a, uh, a congratulations, you're the new chosen, you know, all of this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a big celebration and somber uh, memorial for the previous chosen as well. So all of this occurs, and uh, you have that evening to do what you want uh, before you leave that next morning. What all would you do then in prep before uh, leaving the next morning? Um, mostly it would just be, you know, checking supplies, rechecking supplies, making sure I have all of my uh, all of my kit with me, my weapons, my uh, you know, any trinkets or anything that I need. Part of the ceremony of manhood, where um, after one becomes chosen uh, for this position, they're bestowed with with this this trinket, this amulet, and um, it's it's an heirloom that's been passed down throughout the the history of the clan after the creation of this position, the position of the chosen, and it's actually the fragment of of an ancient dragon, and it it, it represents the clan and um, 
normally it was held by the lead elder, but after the creation of this position, they decided it would be more meaningful to bestow it upon someone who could actually use it and use its abilities. And so it's uh, traditionally been held by the person who's been chosen to represent the clan to the outside. So it's um, it's called the Blazing Life Amulet. It, it, it gives me a few cool magical abilities. Um, there's it, it, uh, Spare the Dying uh, has like a range now. Um, my breath weapon can heal my allies as well as damage my, my enemies. And um, my AC can get calculated a little bit differently. So I can, um, instead of wearing medium armor, I can just use my charisma to calculate my AC. It's kind of an armor of faith type thing, which um, I think really ties into the notion of familial ties, the whole traditional um, society type thing. And I also have immunity to the frightened condition. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a cool little amulet that's a, a traditional heirloom that's passed down to the to this special position to the chosen. All right then. So that next morning, then you guys would have had a quick breakfast of whatever was left from the night before, uh, departing at first light. You want to get uh, moving as quickly as possible before the light gets before it gets too bright outside, and you start having to worry about being blinded by the snow and the uh, storms that tend to arise in the afternoon hours. So you depart from Garrick's retreat, and uh, you venture out into the frigid wasteland. You would have had a little bit of experience outside in the general area, uh, you know, doing any kind of checks and sweeps to make sure that no intruders are going to get too near. Uh, Sometimes a very desperate and starving wolf would uh, kind of approach the lair in search of food, Um, You guys would have been tasked with, you know, shooing it away, uh, killing it, using it for meat. You know, you would have been on maybe the occasional hunting expedition uh, right outside the cave area. But you haven't ventured out very far. Uh, So Frost, uh, acting as your guide, tells you that the best idea that she can think of would be to first head to the Crystallite Temple and then take the main road from there. You could cut across the wildernesses, for lack of a better term, but since this is your first time out, uh, it can be a little bit treacherous, and uh, she doesn't know what all you guys may face if you try and cut across the wilderness a little bit. So she uh, definitely suggests that she backtrack, that you guys backtrack the way that she came to the Crystal Light Temple and then take the main road from there. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you guys take the main road. Um, what kind of uh, armor are you wearing, or are you just wearing warm clothes because of that amulet that you have? Um, I'm just wearing warm clothes, basically. Okay. A lot of warm clothes, because, yeah, dragons and the frozen cap don't really go together. <laughs> yeah. You would have some uh, limited, I don't want to say immunity, but you would have some uh, resistance to the effects of this very frigid wasteland simply because you grew up here. Uh, you would be a little bit more accustomed to it, but it would still be very, very cold and uncomfortable for you. Uh, right. So she does suggest that you guys uh, walk very carefully and stealthily, just to be sure, because even though she left yesterday and it was clear yesterday, her tracks are very obvious in the snow. Uh, so anybody could be lying in wait. So she does suggest that you uh, stealth on the way. So go ahead and give me a stealth roll. Absolutely. 
Um, that is by a full character sheet. I've got like 30 tabs open right now. <laughs> no That's problem. a seven. A seven. Okay, you're you're doing your best to uh, try and stealth along, but since your feet are not are since you're a lot heavier than the very slender Jadassi, uh, you're you sink further into the snow than she does, and uh, your footfalls as you're going are a little bit loud with the crunching snow. But then what's really getting you is your breath. You're breathing very heavily. Um, because this is a lot of work. You're not used to having to trek this far through the snow. And uh, the steam is coming off of your breath, and you can uh, feel your heartbeat being extremely uh, taxed, as if you were doing drills and working out and everything like that. Uh, So you don't notice two wolves, one larger wolf and one smaller wolf, crest over a snow ridge and see you guys. So go ahead and roll me initiative. All right, that's another seven. Another seven. Hey, at least you're consistent. Yeah, right? Uh, But you did a heck of a lot better than she did. She rolled a five. So the order is going to go the wolves, the uh, then you, and then um, Frost. All right, so we go ahead and start off with the wolves. The first wolf is going to charge towards you, and uh, the much larger wolf and is going to uh, uh, take a bite out of you being at the rear of the pack, uh, for lack of a better term, with Frost leading. So it bites at you. Uh, That will likely hit with a 17, correct? Yep. Okay. You will take then from it eight points of piercing damage, and I need a strength saving throw against being knocked prone. All right, I got a 13 on the saving throw. Okay, that was exactly what you needed. You kind of put one foot back in the snow and brace a little bit uh, as this wolf pounces on you, biting. And uh, you are able to hold your footing uh, just barely. The second wolf charges forward and goes after uh, Frost. Uh, It bites and hits as well. That one was even higher, uh, 19. Uh, So then she will take... uh, Ouch. She will take seven points of damage and also need to make a strength saving throw. Uh, She passes with a natural 20, so she only takes the seven points of piercing damage. We then move on to uh, you, Alsafat. Alright, so I'm assuming I wouldn't be... um, Well, I I probably wouldn't have been traveling with my spear, like, ready. So, um, instead of um, trying to take some time to get that out, I'm just going to grab my talisman and cast Inflict Wounds on um, the one closest to me, the one that would oh. attack me. Ouch. Yeah, so that's a spell attack, and that is a natural 20. Oh, okay. Yeah, roll this damage. I can almost guarantee it's going to end it, though. That's 39 necrotic damage. <laughs> this dire wolf just lets out a yip just cut off mid-yip and it falls to the ground and twitches once or twice before falling completely still in the snow. Alright, anything is a bonus action? Um, I look surprised. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, Frost definitely looks over at you and is extremely surprised as well. Uh, so Definitely like not used half of this stuff outside of training, so like yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Frost is not able to uh, get her longbow out 
uh, and shoot this wolf as it's harrying her as much as it is. So she instead um, reaches out with her hands, and you can see that her hands begin to... Uh, it's cold outside, and her hand, her skin is naturally kind of a pale blue. Uh, or, excuse me, it's uh, white, kind of like the snow, kind of a gray-white. Um, and she holds out her hands, and frost uh, begins to just envelop all the way up to her forearms. And she grabs onto the neck of this um, wolf, and yes, that will hit. Uh, so you see this frosty energy uh, begin to envelop the muzzle and face of the wolf uh, as it takes eight points of cold damage. You would also see that the wolf is then. Oh, it never mind. It has. She has advantage because the wolf is not wearing armor. Let's see if it crits. Does not crit. So uh, it just takes eight points of cold damage and yelps a little bit when she touches it. Uh, we then move on to the wolf. The wolf, seeing its companion laying on the floor, uh, definitely redoubles its effort to bring down uh, Frost, despite having taken that wound. And that bite misses by two points, so that was only a 12 to hit. So she is able to uh, kind of push the the wolf's head out of the way while casting that Frostburn cantrip and uh, uh, kind of moves out of the way of that attack a little bit. We then move on to you, Alspat. Alright, yeah. Um, what's it going to take for me to take my spear out? Is that going to be a bonus action or a full action? Or what? You can do it as part of your movement. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll do that as my movements and then I'll just um, do a melee attack. Okay. And you would have flanking um, because of the positioning. Alright, I got an 18 to hit. Yes, 18 definitely hits this creature. Alright, and that's going to be 8 points piercing damage. Alright, go ahead and roll me a luck check because that was 1 point short of what you needed. That's an 11. That's an 11. With your modifier, though, that is enough. It beats the AC of the creature. So, uh, that extra point of damage, you run your spear into the rib cage of the wolf, and as you're pulling it out, you twist it slightly, and the wolf falls to the ground dead. Uh, as she... Th- yeah, she thanks you for that. She did not see those um, wolves up on the ridge. They must have smelled uh, the meat coming from the uh, Garrick's retreat right when you guys were leaving uh, and started coming this way. So she thanks you, and uh, you, she kind of bandages her wounds up a little bit and continues uh, walking. You guys uh, continue making your way across the snow, and it helps out, or it gets thinner and thinner the closer you get to the Crystal Light Temple. Uh, and you notice the wind has changed directions just a little bit. So uh, instead of the wind coming directly from the east, now that you are getting closer to the temple, you can tell the wind is kind of pushing away from where the temple is located. You can see the, the great stained glass um, uh, spires up ahead indicating where the temple is. And uh, the wind blows directly away from it, uh, leaving the area pretty free of the deeper snow. Uh, you guys are able. To... What's that? Can I, can I like make an observation or something? Is it like so on the other? Like, is it spreading away from um, from that from the from the from the from the crystal temple like in all directions, or is it just like happen to be coming towards us? Yeah, you would know, um, just from general knowledge, the Crystal Temple is kind of uh, unique in the fact that it is a temple to all different faiths. Um, 
uh, good, evil, neutral, everything. Uh, so the clerics there have a variety of skills and are able to actually push away most of the extreme weather uh, away from it. So when it is snowing in the uh, frozen cap, which happens very frequently, um, the, they put up a little bit of a wind gust uh, to blow the snow away from the temple itself, and it kind of dunes about one mile outside of where the temple is, is all pretty much free of the deeper snow. Okay, yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, so you guys um, get through there, and it's once you pass through that kind of dune barrier, um, the wind dies down a little bit, and you are able to uh, very easily make your way to the temple. Uh, upon arriving, you're a little bit, I don't want to say uh, shocked, but the variety of peoples here is absolutely astounding to you. This is the biggest collection of different races and different uh, denominations and alignments, and it's a little bit overwhelming to you. Uh, but you do get a very strong sense of peace and uh calm and serenity coming from this temple. Uh, you can tell even though that it houses some of the eviler uh, deities, uh, that are the worshippers and clerics of the eviler deities, uh, that this is definitely a no-nonsense, no-violent zone within these walls. So you get a very, very peaceful sense about it. Um, Frost... Yeah, I'm definitely, it, it's definitely a little bit strange to me that, um, like, that there, there's no overarching, like, clan structure in these in these societies, that there's just people walking around like like all all kinds of different people. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing that would kind of kind of weird my character out. That like there's nothing like that like holding stuff together, but it still functions. Yeah, and the Crystal Light Temple itself is actually uh, very easy to navigate uh, once you get uh, into it. There is uh, three doors, three entrances, and in each it's very triangular in shape. Uh, the doors would be in the uh, line in the sides of the triangle, and each of the different alignments would be in each point of the temple, with the large area in the middle just kind of as a uh, 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 very long, tall spire. And you can go up the spire, and uh, they have housing there, uh, lodging. They have uh, stores that you for supplies, anything that you might need. It's kind of a neutral zone in the the middle of this giant triangle type. Uh, complex. And so you are immediately drawn to the good aligned um, deities, and you find a, a shrine that very much represents life. You see kind of a warm light uh, that is very appealing to you. Frost says that she would suggest we take at least a short rest here uh, to bandage our wounds and recover a little bit uh, before heading back out. She says that if you want to do any kind of uh, religious things. Uh, she points you to the direction of the temple, which you would already kind of be slowly wandering that way. She says that she's going to resupply and get something warm for us to drink, uh, and she will meet you kind of back in the central dais type area in about an hour, if you want. Yeah, okay. Um, I would probably just um, take a short rest and uh, plan on meeting her there. Okay. So do you visit the temple at all? You can kind of take a short rest, just kind of wandering around a little bit. As long as you aren't doing anything strenuous, um, you're just kind of recovering yourself a little bit. Yeah, um, I would definitely take some time to explore the temple. Okay, yeah, you see um, holy symbols of all variety 
uh, set into different alcoves all over this uh, temple. You see um, that there are, let me roll and see how many, just for shits and giggles. You see on the good aligned side that there are 15 different holy symbols set into the different alcoves here. Uh, and you kind of get a, a feeling for all of them. Uh, are you proficient in the religion uh, skill? Yes. Okay, then you would be able to identify almost all of these, what their general domains would be. So you're able to see the open book of the knowledge domain. You're able to see the uh, boots of the travel domain. You're able to see kind of that, that, obviously, the one that draws to you the most, that bright, warm, life-giving energy of the life domain. You see the fires of the um, uh, light domain. You see all of the different symbols represented here. Uh, and you see lots of worshippers, uh, mostly in the brighter tones, uh, in robes and whatnot. You also see a couple in plate mail uh, that look like champions of whatever their deity is, uh, as it's emblazoned upon either their cloaks or their armor itself. So it is definitely a very somber place, a very uh, respectful, quiet Every, even once you stepped off that dais towards that temple, all of the outside sound kind of muffled a little bit. It seems like its own little world a little bit. Yeah, I would just, um, I don't know, can I head up the spire? Like, can I explore that way at all? Yeah, not a problem. Uh, you go back onto that central dais, you see Frost has gotten herself what appears to be, uh, like a hot cider or something along those lines. Um, she kind of points out uh, where you see uh, individual and um, let me roll to see what race he's going to be. You roll and see that there is a, or you roll, uh, you look and see where she's pointing, and a very large Goliath man uh, is carrying around a barrel of what looks like to be cider uh, from the way that she's pointing to her cup and then back to him. And uh, uh, do you approach him to get a cup of cider yourself before going up the spire? Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, you approach. Um, he asks you if this is your first time. Uh, I guess I should do the voices. Uh, is this your first time here to the Crystal Light Temple? Uh, y- yeah, yes. I, uh, yeah. I was going to get a drink. Yes, then our first cup is on you. And he reaches kind of behind himself with both hands, and he pulls a cup off of the side of this barrel that he's kind of wearing on his back, uh, fills up the mug, and you can see that it's steaming, uh, despite the fact that you don't see any real heat source, which is kind of odd. Uh, he closes the the tap on it and uh, hands you a steaming cup of cider. Uh, yeah, I would just, I would, I, I would kind of hesitate and, like, give a look back to Frost, kind of saying, like, is this, is this cool? Is this okay? Yeah, she, and, and then I would take a drink. Yeah, yeah, she gives you the, you know, full thumbs up for it. So you take a drink of it, and it is a very, very crisp, tart cider. I mean, it's 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 not something that you would have had before, not having access really to apples there, except for maybe the very rare trader. Um, you may have tasted one in your life, but most likely not. Uh, very, very crisp, tart cider, and there's a little bit of a burn down your throat when you swallow it. it it's definitely very uh, warming uh, after having been traveling outside for as long as you have. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good with all of this. <laughs> all right. You then continue up the spiral a little ways, and you see um, on the walls going up the spire, it kind of says at each level uh, what is in this area. So the floors going up, uh, there are five floors, um, but they're very small. Only about, uh, the central spire is about 20 feet around, kind of a spiral staircase. And then there's about a 40 foot wide 
um, circular room kind of around the staircase that you can kind of step out on or continue up if you want. And uh, on the first level, you see that this is mostly where the healing takes place. You can see that there's a lot of beds, a lot of people running around with potion vials, helping those that appear to be coughing and sick and, and really not doing well. You see as you kind of step on this first landing that uh, the next landing going up, you read on the wall, the next one is where a lot of the shops and whatnot would be, where the supplies would be. Do you continue up to the second floor, or do you stop at this first one? Yeah, I would probably go up to the second floor and uh, for the shops. Okay, yeah, you get up to the second floor, you look around, um, or I'm, as you look up to where the third floor would be, you see the third floor is where kind of the ritual takes place. There's a lot of spell-type stuff up there. Um, you hear even the slight murmuring of words that kind of ring in your head just a little bit. Um, and then you step out onto the second floor and you see that there are there are four merchants. Uh, we'll call them one in each of the cardinal directions of this kind of circular room. Uh, the first one is a general, general goods merchant. Um, just kind of has the regular things that you would see. Uh, rope um, has uh, the occasional weapon, not necessarily the best quality, but definitely solid weapons. Uh, clothes, uh, warm winter clothes, uh, all of that kind of stuff. The second merchant uh, looks like carrying potions um, of all variety, of different vials and bottles all around. The third merchant... <laughs> the third merchant is an animal merchant, so you see cages and whatnot with different animals. Uh, you see small rodents that you can't quite identify. You see other ones that you uh, recognize like ferrets and... Uh, I, I, I check if he has any reptiles. Let me check here to see what his supply quality is. <laughs> yes, he does, believe it or not. He has a moderate inventory. Uh, a moderately good inventory. So he would have... I'm oh. just so amazed. There's like a series of lists and tables to, to see if there's reptiles at a... Oh, God. Yeah, I use I use the Warlock Press. They have the merchants and... Or tra traders and merchants. Um, uh, Warlock Homebrew. He would have um, a bat, a cat, a chicken, animal feed, of course, frog, goat, lizard, pig, rat. Uh, he has badger, cow, a draft horse, mule, ox, pony, raven, weasel, and uh, other miscellaneous CR rating quarter or lower. So, um, yeah, I'm just sitting here listening to him like rattle off all the animals that he has. And I'm like, oh god, what? <laughs> yeah, he has many of the smaller ones in cages around him. The larger animals, you didn't see a stables outside, but you're guessing there almost has to be a stables if he has an ox, a mule, a draft horse, and a cow uh, in here right. as well. So, <laughs> all right, the fourth merchant would be. Uh, this one would be, oh, this makes sense, Religious Idols and Blessings. Uh, he has, uh, the fourth merchant has those. So would you, uh, actually go ahead and roll a d20 for me as well. That's an eight. An eight. You also see kind of what you thought was a shadow, but as you kind of move your head side to side a little bit, you see that the shadow actually seems to be opening up into an area that would be outside of the walls of the temple, but... But it still looks like it's inside a room. 
Uh, and you see all sorts of strange items out on a table that you didn't really notice before. You see uh, what looks like to be some strange figurines of different animals. You see uh, a strange rope that seems to be kind of standing up in the air, uh, unsupported. You see a robe with all sorts of weird patches on it and a crystal ball and all sorts of crazy things on this far table. Would okay, you? so is, is is anyone else really, like, paying notice to this? Like, it, it, does it seem strange to, to, like, the other people around me, or nobody seems going about their business? Yeah, they're just kind of going about their business. This would be, um, uh, even though it's kind of a circular room, there are kind of four main uh, beams that go up uh, to kind of support this uh, spiral staircase in the middle, and then uh, beams on the outside as well, kind of firming up the structure. And it's in the shadow of one of these beams. It's like there's just a cut in the wall and there's a room outside of the tower but there's a window right there you know that there's nothing on the other side right i would um so like since i'm still right by the the animal merchant i definitely just like ask him like what's what 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 is happening uh the merchant kind of looks to where you're pointing and he said i i don't see anything you don't said, no uh there's uh, potions merchant, uh, right there. Uh, you're not pointing to him. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, okay. Sure. Um, I can't. I, 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 sure. I can't interest you in a lizard or a toad. No, I. I don't know how to. Uh, I would. I would kill it. <laughs> it's so cold outside. Okay. Do you go and investigate this strange room or no? Well, well yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna check it out. All right, you kind of step into the shadow a little bit, and uh, as you step into the shadow, uh, it becomes like all the outside noises just kind of cut off, as if there was a wall separating where you stepped into from the rest of the area. And uh, a very strange-looking individual, let me... Ha! This one will be fun. Okay, so you see um, this individual is wearing uh, kind of a cloak and robes, but you can see where the cloak doesn't quite go all the way down the arms. You can see they appear to be made of their arms of almost like a swirling purplish energy, and they seem to have some sort of like metal cuffs on their wrists, and as you look into the hood, you see that the face is mostly swirling energy as well, with just kind of these weird bands kind of holding this energy in place a little bit. Uh, and this very, very breathy voice almost says, can I interest you in any of my wares? I'm... What What are you selling? All variety of magical items. We have bags that produce animals when you pull the... When you pull out uh, a hand fully, we have figurines that shift into different creatures. We have a ring here that will keep you safe from any probing uh, magics. We have a rope that will stand on its own, extremely useful for climbing. We have a robe of all variety of objects as well as weapons so sharp they'll cut through even the toughest hides. Okay, so how does this, like, how does how, do, how does your shop work, I guess? Like, why is there a portal on the outside? Like, I, like, I, 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 I get you're gonna say magic. Like, I, I know that's the answer, but like, how? What's, well, what's happening right now? Look behind you at the door. And as you turn around and look, you see that there are all sorts of colored gems uh, set in the door. And as the merchant points to one, a little bit of arcane energy strikes one of the 
um, gems, and all of a sudden the landscape shifts on the other side, and you see a city street in front of you, cobblestones and everything. It points again, and another stone lights up, this time a red-colored gem, and you're on the side of a mountain overlooking what appears to be black volcanic rock, and he points again and to one of the purple gems, and you are back in the Crystal Light Temple right where you appeared. Oh, so you're a traveling salesman, huh? Yes. What's this guy's name? I mean, I, I, I asked him, like, what, 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 what's, your, what's your name? Yeah, let me pull up a random name generator, because I am not familiar with the way they make names. Would I be familiar with uh, purple energy creatures? In uh, any way? Yeah, go ahead and um, roll me a history, nature, or arcana. Oh, that's a 16. All right. Uh, they are called wind traders, uh, are their names. Um, they come from, as far as you know, a different realm entirely, a different plane of existence. Uh, go ahead and roll me an arcana check again to see if you can recall that name. Uh, that's a 15. Okay, uh, you believe it's called Azeroth or something? You're not 100% um, sure. You're not familiar with it, but you've heard stories and tales and whatnot. Um, so this trader's name would be uh, Marid, would be this trader's name. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not seeing anything that catches my fancy too much, and I feel like all this stuff is really expensive. It is definitely expensive. Uh, you see some of the prices on them. Uh, the lesser of the items are 500 gold pieces. Uh, some of the weapons go up to 500,000 gold pieces from there. So uh, they are very, very expensive. Uh, he does, or I guess they don't really have gender. So uh, the Wind Trader does, uh, before you leave, flick a gem at you that kind of reflects the same purple energy. Not very, very big. Um, about the size of a marble. Uh, in metal metatype terms, and says, if you ever wish to purchase anything from me, please just go up to a door and push that gem into the door. This will allow me to open up a temporary portal to my shop here, and I would be more than happy to assist you. All right, yeah. This one says goodbye. And do you walk through the door and leave? Yep. Okay. So you are able to then walk back in, and nobody seems to have noticed that you just stepped through a wall. Um, the potion seller uh, sees, because you're kind of close to where the potion seller's deal would be, would say, uh, can I interest you in any potions? Uh, I've got all variety here. They'll bring you back up. They'll get you charged up and ready to attack. Uh, maybe. <laughs> do, you, do you accept gems as payment? Uh, unfortunately, gold is the only real currency that I use unless you have anything extremely valuable in trade. No. No. What kind of, what kind of potions do you have? you got any, uh, anything super useful? Some healing potions? Some Yes. Uh, yeah, their stock would be all the standard ones, and I am throwing a homebrew item. We do use uh, mana potions here. Uh, so they would have both um, uh, the standard like healing-type potions and all that kind of stuff, as well as um, mana potions and other effects like flame breath potion, uh, potions of giant strength, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I can heal with magic. I, uh, yeah, I'm not going to spend all my money here. <laughs> okay. I apologize. I'll leave quickly. Okay, not a problem. 
uh, he totally understands uh, trade isn't the best in this area. You know, temple isn't where you really want to set up a healing potion stand since healing is basically free at the temple. So you are able to uh, very easily find your way. Would you go up to explore the other floors or would you go down to the next area? Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd probably just try to meet back up with Frost at this point. All right. You head... Yeah, you head back down. Frost has taken her short rest, so she's back up to full health and uh, says, as soon as you're ready to leave, we can go ahead and get at it. Um, yeah, I think I'm ready. Um, do you have any... Do you have any advice for supplies or anything that, um, would help you prep for, for the travels, or...? Uh, she kind of says... She whispers over to you. She's like, I wouldn't buy anything here. They'll rob you if you aren't careful. The prices are extortionate. I kind of got the already. <laughs> okay. okay. So yeah, I'm ready to head out. Alright, she says the trip should be uneventful um, because you guys will be taking the main road. Um, so she isn't too worried. You're able to um, take off on that main road. Travel is pretty quick and it's a little bit warmer than normal as the road is magically enchanted to stay just above freezing. So uh, no matter what uh, mages, uh, you would know them uh, called firebugs, walk the path and magically enchant this road to keep it just above freezing. And so you're able to walk uh, pretty much unimpeded and you get about three quarters of the way to Farport and it's starting to get evening time. And all of a sudden you see Frost kind of jerk her head up towards the sky and you see her eyes get a little bit wide. She tells you to duck for cover and pulls out her bow. All of a sudden, you see a white dragon wormling fly over the road ahead of you and land right in front of you. Go ahead and roll me initiative. All right. Oh, my God. That's a one. Oh, no. All right. She didn't do too great, um, but get a little bit le- uh, better with an 11. Uh, ouch. The dragon, though, rolled a 17. Um, so it's going to go Dragon, uh, and then Frost, and then you, Elsafat. The dragon does what you'd expect a dragon to do, and opens up its mouth, spraying both of you with this cold, frozen energy. So go ahead and give me a constitution saving throw. That's a four. Oh no, uh, both you and Frost failed, so you'll be taking all of this damage. Uh, 18 points of uh, cold damage from that breath attack. Oh, God. (laughs) Alright, we then move on to uh, Frost. So, Frost um, pulled out her bow and uh, goes ahead and she's going to use an ensnaring strike. Or, no, uh, she's going to Hunter's Mark as a bonus action first. uh, And then she's going to go ahead and uh, shoot, loose an arrow and shoot the dragon. Uh, that will actually hit exactly with a 16. And... Ouch, uh, that's nearly minimum uh, for uh, for six points of piercing damage uh, to the creature, but it is now marked. So we then move on to you, Alsafat. Yeah, I'm gonna... I think I'm gonna use my breath attack. Okay. DC 12 uh, deck save. Alright. And are you going to uh, line Frost up with it? Or are you going to... Yeah, for the for the healing, yeah. Okay, the dragon would fail big time with a 7. Okay, so that's going to be uh, 2d6 of fire damage, since I'm a brass dragon. All right. I only 3. 
Okay, three you said? Yes. All right. And then uh, half of that uh, will round down, so she will recover one health point. But one point is one point. Back to the dragon's turn then. It uh, approaches uh, Frost and bites at her. Oh, let me see first if it recharged. Uh, Nope, did not recharge its breath weapon. So it bites and that misses. She jumps kind of off to the side as its maw goes right where she would have been standing as it chomps down on thin air. Back to Frost. Frost uh, is now within five feet of the uh, dragon wormling and does not wish to use her bow at such a close range. So uh, she reaches down and uh, knowing that it's not going to have that big of an effect, she still casts Frostburn. Uh, So you see her hands burn with that that frosty energy. And since the dragon is not wearing armor, she has advantage. Uh, That does not hit, though. Uh, Only a 14. So the dragon, uh, that cold just doesn't penetrate the dragon's scales. Uh, She then decides to go ahead and take that opportunity attack and backs away. Uh, So the dragon strikes at her and hits. So she will take 11 points of uh, damage, two of those being cold. So she's not looking good at this point. (laughs) Not at all. But she is able to back away the full 30 feet uh, behind you. And then we move on to uh, you, Alsafat. Oh, God. Um, Let me see. I got a healing word. I got... How's the the dragon looking? Is it... it, uh, Or it's a wormling, right? Yeah, wormling. He's... Not doing great, but uh, he's still pretty healthy. You see a few gashes. You know, you see where that one arrow is lodged, uh, kind of in his neck. But uh, he doesn't seem to be super put off. He's a little bit singed from that breath attack. All right, all right. So I'm gonna use my channel divinity. Okay. So um, I present my holy symbol, and I get a pool of. Um, hit points, that's five times my cleric level, so 15. And I divide those among basically me and uh, Frost. So I'm going to give myself 5 HP and I'm going to give her 10. Okay. Thank you, thank you. She is up to 13. Okay. And then I think that's that's it. Okay. So um, we then move on to, oh, uh, anything is a bonus action or movement? Um, where's everyone positioned right she would be, uh, the dragon would be 10 feet in front of you um, because you stood right behind her to do that line attack. Um, so the 10 feet in front of you is the dragon, 20 feet behind you is her. And this road yep. is about 15 foot wide. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm going to stay where I am. Okay. The dragon is going to close on uh, you, Alsafat, and uh, chomp down at you. Uh, it did not recover its breath weapon. So that is a 12 to hit, uh, so that will not hit you. All right, you're able to kind of use your spear to put it in the dragon's mouth to kind of keep it from from closing on you all the way, pushing it back as it, it pulls its head back, rearing for the next strike. Uh, we then move on to Frost, who uh, casts Cure Wounds on herself, healing herself for, um, that would be seven health points. Uh, and then uh, she draws both short swords and charges the dragon, but uh, that's all that she can do. And then we... Oh, well, no, she could, as a bonus action, make that offhand attack because she has two short swords. 
So she strikes at the creature. Uh, that definitely hits with a 21 and uh, only does one point of damage. So then we move on to you, Alsafat. Yeah, um, I'm going to use... I think I'm going to use Inflict Wounds again. Okay. So that's going to be a... That's an 8. An 8. That is not enough to hit, unfortunately. Alright, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Okay, on to the dragon's turn. Uh, the dragon is going to repeat what it did last time and attack at you. Oh, uh, did not recharge its breath weapon. Uh, so it goes ahead and attacks you. Uh, but nope, it doesn't hit again. We then move on to her. She is going to just strike at it twice with her two short swords. And actually, I forgot that um, hunter's mark on the last one. So uh, that would have been two extra damage. That would bring the creature below bloody. Uh, well, exactly two bloody. So then she makes two more strikes against um, this dragon wormling. Uh, one hits, one does not. I'll say the main hand weapon hits since that was the first dice that I rolled. So that will deal. And then uh, Colossus Slayer. Oh, I forgot Colossus Slayer last time. So that would be an additional 1d8. So um, I'll just add that there. So that was only a two. Uh, and then the additional Colossus Slayer for this round. Uh, that's 9, 11, 12. 12 points of damage from that strike uh, between Hunter's Mark and Colossus Slayer. So the dragon is really not looking good at this point, and it lets out a roar of pain as it does. So we move on to you, Alsafat. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just gonna move up and poke it with my spear. Okay, go ahead. That's going to be a 15 to hit. Yes. Uh, oh, no, wait. One point off. My sixes look like fives. So that is uh, not quite enough. One point. Oh, uh, but if you moved up, if you moved up to the side, you would have flanking. Would you have tried to flank it, or would you stand right in front of its maw like Frost is? Oh, well, naturally, I would have flanked it. Okay. Yeah, so then roll again. Um, all right, that's a 16. Yes, that's exactly what you need to hit it. All right, so I'm going to do d6 plus 3. That is a 7. All right, that is uh, two points more than what you needed to slay the dragon. So you are able to find where that arrow had pierced into its hide, and you jab your spear into that same injury, and the creature lets out one last roar before falling to the ground motionless. Uh, you can see that Frost is sweating profusely despite the cold, and... Uh, uh, she definitely is not a happy camper. She says that this is way out of the White Dragon territory. She has no idea why one would be this close to Farport. Uh, this is very uncharacteristic of them. She kind of questioningly looks at you, um, seeing if you have any kind of explanation or any kind of idea why it would be this close. I don't, I don't, do I? Uh, go ahead and uh, roll me... Uh, you, if you can justify any kind of check, um, let me know what it is and we'll figure it out. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I have anything that really applies. <laughs> okay, uh, then you're not exactly sure uh, what it would have been. So, uh, we go ahead then. Uh, she does say she wants to harvest some of these scales off and uh, says if you'll kind of keep an eye out while she's doing it, she'll split her take with you. Yeah, absolutely. I take watch. All right. Uh, that was only a 14 on the harvesting check. So, and it looks like DC is determined by... Okay. Yes, so she did succeed, but not by much. So I'll say she was only able to pull off... Uh, we'll go with a enough um, scales to make 
uh, one small piece of armor or like two shields or something like that. So she would kind of split that with you before departing. You guys continue on to Farport itself, uh, eventually reaching this kind of nomadic encampment. Uh, you can see that all the buildings are kind of up on pallets uh, of a sort, and there are great beasts of burden, uh, mammoths included, that uh, you see can kind of hook onto these pallets and drag these these smaller buildings around a little bit. Um, there is nothing higher than two stories, and even those two-story buildings are very squat. Um, it's mostly like yurts and um, other semi-permanent structures. Uh, you see that there is a kind of ramshackle dock type thing that has been built. Uh, and if you look closely enough at the ice around this area, you can see the dock, the former dock, underneath this ice that has slowly been frozen over as the ice sheet gets further and further out. Uh, with Frost having completed her contract, she wishes you well on your way. And, of course, hands you your half of the scales if she hadn't already. And uh, then says she will be departing at first light and gets to the closest inn. Would you uh, follow to an inn or would you immediately try and uh, find a captain in a ship and try and set out uh, for Port City? Um, yeah, I would probably uh, follow to an inn. I'd, I'd probably take the opportunity to ask her... Um, you know, if she knows anything about the the dragons, like like if they've been acting weirdly lately, or who I could talk to in Farport to figure out what's going on. Yeah, she says um, not a whole lot of the people in Farport know much about the dragons. A lot of them would be, I don't want to say refugees because they're still in the same, you know, island, but they would be those that um, did not want to stand up against the dragons um, as part of Wintermere's kind of ever uh, continuing crusade to rid the land of Icewing. Uh, so a lot of them would be kind of runaways from this army militia type force and other traders and whatnot from other islands. So Farport probably wouldn't have a big idea on who it would be. Uh, you would have to find somebody from Wintermere itself or uh, possibly uh, somebody in like Port City uh, would know since that's kind of where you're headed. Uh, they have scholars of all variety and um, and specialization there, so they may have an idea of what's going on with Icewing. But for the most part, there wouldn't be a whole lot of experts unless you tried to track down somebody from Wintermere. I, I would ask Frost if she knows anyone from Wintermere. Uh, she would say that she does, but uh, they're kind of hidden for a reason. Uh, there's a reason why she doesn't go anywhere past the Crystal Temple, really, on her expeditions either. Uh, so you would have a little bit of inside knowledge to know that if you run away from Wintermere and you're caught, they kill you on the spot. You're you're a deserter, and so they they don't tolerate that at all. And Wintermere is not really a dictatorship tyrant kind of a thing, but if you live underneath the protection of Wintermere, you serve in the army. Period. End of story. Okay. Yeah. So I. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to do before setting sail the next morning? Um, not really, no. Um, I would try and, like, investigate the Wintermere, the, the dragon thing, but it sounds like my best bet for that is uh, waiting until I get to Farport, or Port City, I mean. Yeah, you question some of the people around, and they don't have a whole lot to say about it. They say uh, most of them are either 
really grumbling about Wintermere, you know. They don't want to say a whole lot about it, kind of grumble, 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 you know, got away from there for a reason, you know, under their breath. Uh, or they would say something about, they're the only ones that are keeping us from the tyranny of Icewing and from Icewing taking over, you know, almost kind of reverently speaking of them, kind of like they're King Arthur and the Round Table kind of knights uh, type of a deal. All right. All right. So then uh, you set off uh, to Port City. Your trip goes fairly uneventfully. Uh, it is a very long journey, and you help, um, you know, you kind of act as a ship sturgeon a little bit, healing the wounded, curing seasickness or whatever from other travelers that may be going, you know, helping that kind of way to pay your way, as it is not a cheap journey, but healers are always in demand. And so, you know, the second you enter that LFR, you're immediately queued, and you continue through that scenario before uh, finishing it. Uh, after you get to Port City itself... Um, you are immediately pointed to the direction of the main temple guild. Uh, being as you are kind of a cleric, uh, they would say, you know, if you don't want to pay for an inn, this is the place to go. They'll take you in, no problem. Uh, simply being a cleric automatically gains you entry. Yeah, that'd probably be my first stop then, um, to try and find some lodgings. Okay, yeah, you uh, very easily are able to locate the temple guild. Uh, they point you right to the district where... Uh, all of the religious stuff would be. It's a very circular district. It's a little bit odd in the fact that all the streets here uh, kind of go to this really wide, like 25, 30 foot wide cobble street. And all of these different temples uh, kind of face that street on the outside, uh, each of varying alignment. And you can see that there is uh, kind of the more commercy, uh, trade, luck, you know, all of those kind of very neutral things right as you enter in from this main street. And then as you go to the left, you hit the more evil-aligned um, temples. To the right, the more good-aligned temples. And then opposite of the, uh, like, the consumer, uh, uh, the commerce, the luck, all of that kind of stuff, very opposite of them are another branch of neutral temples that are all natural worshipping the elements, the land, nature, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm assuming you would immediately go to the more good-aligned temples and find one that would line up with the um, life domain. Yeah, I think a, I think a dragonborn cleric would probably worship Bahamut, right? Yes, yeah, either Bahamut or um, you could worship the life domain itself. Uh, but if you want Bahamut, you could very easily find that temple um, with a great dragon head. Uh, atop the temple. The dragon, it is of all metallic colors um, when you look at it. Not so much Tiamat with the five heads, but depending on the angle that you look at it, it appears either gold or silver or brass or bronze or copper or any any of those metallic type sheens to it depending on the angle. Yeah, no, I'd probably, I'd probably stop there first thing and try and uh, chat people up and see about lodging, see about... Um finding my way around in the city, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah. Um, as you enter in, you can see that it's very, very busy here. It is the uh, seed sowing festival in the month of planting, so it would be kind of a spring-type uh, weather, uh, according to us in the northern hemisphere here. So it would maybe a little bit chilly in the mornings, but gorgeous during the day. And uh, other than that, uh, the weather is very nice. So you are seeing there's a lot of hustle and bustle around, and many of the priests are busy, but one does stop seeing that you're kind of giving a curious type look uh, about the area. One would stop and say, is there anything that I can help you with? Uh, 
Yes, actually, I'm a I'm a cleric, and I'm I'm new in town. Um, I, I I don't I'm not set up with lodgings just yet, but um, I was gonna see about finding a place to stay. Uh, would you happen to know anywhere in Port City that would that would take me in? Oh well, yes, us here at the temple would be more than happy to house you. Uh, if if you uh, one, you would need to join the guild, obviously, but that just means that. You are a part of the temple, and you agree to help take care of the place in exchange for free room and board. Yeah, that sounds um, all well and good. If you come back first thing on the 17th, because there is kind of the festival going on here, we would be more than happy to induct you right now. It's a really busy time, I'm sure, as you understand. Ceremonies to be done, so on and so forth. But we can go ahead and, on the honor system, allow you to stay for the next couple of days uh, while we get everything set up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do have a quick question, kind of a tangentially related. Do you happen to know do you happen to know anyone, any cleric in the temple, uh, from the frozen cap by chance? Oh, I believe we do have a few on occasion, not from here in Bahamut's temple, but um yes, we do know several in the other temples. Okay. Um could you could you could you point them out to me? Could I could you uh have in contact with them? Because I'm looking for um, some information about the broken cap, about uh, winter law, and of course, yes. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, if you are to go to one of the temples in the neutral district, uh, there is a beast folk priest who comes from the uh, Vulpin clan, uh, a fox folk uh, named Echo, that would be more than happy to uh, talk about Wintermere, uh, having recently come from there himself. It's just right on the other side, the neutral side, uh, in the temple that worships uh, the natural elements of nature itself. Okay, yeah, uh, thank you so much for your help. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do that right now. Okay, yes, you are able to kind of walk around. You see the temple, uh, very obviously a temple to nature and the natural order to things, uh, even though it's, it's not necessarily a cloudy day, but you can see that there's um, clouds starting to roll in, maybe a spring shower starting here pretty soon. Um, but it is in its own little beam of light, for lack of a better term. And even though it is just beginning to be spring, all of the plants and vegetation around the temple itself are in full bloom and look to have been in full bloom for years, never really dying out and continuing. It's, it's always uh, spring and summer here. So uh, you are able to very easily find that table uh, temple. And the fox folk is uh, currently outside, it looks like, tending to some of these plants. All right, yeah, I would, uh, seeing that he's kind of unoccupied, I'd, I'd just approach him and, um, yeah, give a greeting. Okay, yes, you give a greeting, and, um, he stands up and says, uh, yes, what what can I do for you? Uh, is there a, here for festival blessings? Uh, if so, I'll be down at the festival grounds later on tonight. Well, actually, I, I heard that, uh, you might be able to help me with something. Yes, uh, anything that I can do, I'd be more than happy to. Now, am I am I correct in saying that you are that you've recently been to Wintermere? Uh, yes, actually, uh, Wintermere is my home. I'm here on a stay, um, making contacts and continuing in my training in order to better serve the Lord of Wintermere, Fenrir. Ah, okay. Um, I was wondering if you could give me any information on the city. Um, I'm actually somewhat unfamiliar. Uh, yes. Uh, this city, or this city as in Wintermere? Uh, Wintermere. Uh, yes. Uh, 
Wintermere is a place, a very hostile place. Uh, we're right on the front lines against our campaign against Icewing to finally rid the frozen cap of him and uh, return it to what it once was. Um, as such, unfortunately, uh, we do see a pretty heavy rate of deserters and other folk, um, so I I will not ask where you're from because I would be honor-bound to report it um, if you were under the protection of Wintermere. Though, being a dragonborn, I seriously doubt you would be that close to the front lines uh, against a white dragon, nonetheless. Uh, it is a very dangerous place. I, I, I know that frequently we would have uh, drills where uh, the brood of Ice Fang would, would attack the walls, but uh, they never were quite able to break through. Uh, what, what, what in particular can I help you with? Well, like, like talking about all this, I'd, I'd definitely be really careful not to, like, give any hints that, like, I'm from somewhere in the Frozen Cap or, like, that I come from, a, like, a dragonborn colony there just because, you know, to some extent, like, staying um, secluded and subtle about that stuff is a form of protection for the clan. But I would just, I would ask about um, how things are going with Icewing and, um, I'd tell him about our encounter with uh, Wormling on the on the path to Farport. Uh, yeah, you and would ask s- if he's heard about anything like that. Yeah, you would see his eyes get big at that point and say, "No, it's very rare that a Wormling would ever go anywhere outside or anywhere past uh, Wintermere uh, for search of anything but food. Um, and even then, they never get that close to the Crystal Light Temple. The temple is very easily able to take care of them." Uh, there's deities there that do not tolerate uh, the presence of white dragons in that area. Uh, I have no idea what one would have been doing there. Uh, but the fight against him is always a losing fight. We never have enough troops and soldiers to to push back uh, Icewing or any of its brood. It, it's always a very dangerous thing, so one very well could have slipped past the guard, but it doesn't make sense why one would have approached you. I... I and I know dragons can sense their own, but other than that, I, I don't know what could have happened. Interesting. Okay. This is, this is, um, would I know, like, why they want to get rid of Icewing? Like, what, what are they trying to get back to? Yeah, roll me a history check. Unless you want to ask him directly what they're trying to get back to. I would, I would try and see if I know myself before yeah. asking. Uh, that's a 14. Okay, a 14. Um, prior to the shift, you don't know it all, but you know that prior to the shift, um, that the Frozen Cap wasn't called the Frozen Cap. Um, it used to be a very lush, fertile area. Uh, it, there was a huge lake in the middle of this island, and everything was very peaceful. And and while it did suffer harsher than normal winters, being that far south, uh, you know, closer to the uh, to the cap, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, it was never... It, it, it always had lush vegetation and whatnot. Think of it kind of like a northern Canada kind of thing, where they would have a summer and there would still be things growing and stuff. The, the smaller brush, uh, smaller berry-type plants, and that kind of thing. But they would still have very fertile environments. But once Icewing came after the shift, um, the, the entire place just became engulfed in ice and no normal fire can melt it. Uh, you guys would know very well that no matter how big the bonfire you light, the snow does not melt. Uh, it only it only melts by magical fire, such as your breath weapon or something along those lines. Um, so they're trying to get back to that lush and fertile land that it once was, uh, even if they aren't necessarily 
100% correct in blaming the dragon for it happening. Okay, so so this so it's kind of unknown whether this is just because of the like magical shift in the world that happened, or if it's completely because of the dragon that's there. Yeah, that's kind of undetermined. Yeah, basically the ice definitely around where his lair was came from Icewing, and Icewing definitely maintains that. But to take over an entire island um, that's very significant amount of land. Um, and you would know uh, a little bit since because uh, you're a dragonborn, you would know that the lair of a dragon rarely will exceed uh, regional effects further than about six miles. So they're probably not 100% correct in blaming Icewing for this, but there's definitely some negative influence there because of this dragon. Right. Would I consider uh, like a white dragon to be like evil dragon or like 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 aligned against me in any sort of way or yes uh metallic dragons i am sticking to the very stereotypical metallic dragons and chromatic dragons do not get along uh, metallic dragons would very much be uh, good aligned or more neutral aligned whereas the uh chromatic dragons would be very much evil aligned so even though you're not a dragon yourself, um, simply because you have a metallic dragon's blood in your veins somewhere down the line of your ancestry, you would definitely be targeted by uh, any chromatic dragon that saw you. Probably not dragonborn that are chromatic. Um, they would probably have a little bit of initial prejudice against you, but um, you wouldn't be uh, necessarily targeted for sure that way. All right. Um, yeah, okay. All right. Uh, would, would my would my being a dragonborn like could that have been what caused the the wormling attack? Or yeah, I know for sure. Possibly, um, you're not one hundred percent for sure, but uh, very possibly could have. Okay. All right. Uh, he asked you if he can help with anything else. Um, if not, uh, he does invite you down to the festival later on this evening. He will be um, giving out blessings and. Uh, uh, helping sell uh, some of the more religious um, items and blessings and whatnot, giving out uh, instruction, uh, being that this is a seed sowing festival about planting and whatnot, and he is a uh, uh, a worshiper of nature. Uh, he does invite you out later on to visit him if you so choose. If not, he hopes you. He wishes you well and balance in your life, and uh, returns to tending his garden. All right. Yeah. That's good. Okay, then. So then it would now be um, closer to the evening hours. Um, you would have already been shown where your uh, rooms would be um, within the temple. Uh, it's actually kind of a weird thing. You go through the temple itself uh, into where you would assume there's like a giant courtyard or something uh, because of this circle of temples. There's got to be something in the middle of it. But no matter how many hallways you walk through, uh, and how many courtyards you see outside, you don't see the back of any other temple. Um, yet there's always enough rooms and corridors and everything around you. It's a very interesting um, kind of anomaly. But you're set up with your rooms, you know exactly where to go, and it is now getting towards the evening hours. Would you then um, go to the festival itself, or would you just kind of relax in your rooms and wait for the end of the festival to be inducted? I would definitely uh, stop by the festival and just kind of check things out. All right. You're uh, easily able to go down the festival. You see that there are a number of different areas that this festival is split into. Uh, you would see that there's one where all of the ceremony is going, the rituals and everything, the very 
religious, uh, I guess, part of the festivals, uh, kind of like going to church on Christmas as opposed to having a family dinner at Christmas. Um, so you would see that there's kind of that area. There's also an area that would be the shopping malls at Christmas full of, and I hate this reference, but it's the best one that I can think of. It's kind of like a cultural festival of every anime ever. There are bright stalls and all sorts of strange and delicious foods and items and and all sorts of weird things to trade. There are performers out at all sorts of crazy things. And then there is yet another area where kind of the farmers and where the more business side of the festival would be, where new farming tools and techniques are being shared and studied. Which of these areas would you hit up? You would be able to hit all three if you wanted to briefly, or you could spend time in certain ones more than others. Um, I would mainly just be walking around exploring. I doubt I'd spend much time at any one um, location there. All right, you. we'll go ahead and start off then with um, the... Uh, farming type stuff. We'll go from uh, the far right side of the festival across. So you go to kind of where the planting techniques and all of the tools are and that kind of things, and you do learn a lot of very interesting things about planting and farming and about, like, containers. You can you can plant some seeds in containers and keep them in windowsills and are able to grow a, a very vast amount of food from that. You don't necessarily have to have a giant plot of land. And a lot of this farming and agriculture would be a new concept to you, being you've lived underground. Um, you do find a couple that are growing different lichens and mushrooms and whatnot, and you know a little bit more about that uh, because there were some of those things growing in the caverns uh, that made up part of your home. But, um, yeah, a lot of this is very new information for you, and you get lots of free samples of different fruits and stuff that you have never tasted before. Um, after kind of cutting through that area, you go through the shops and the stalls, and you are um, overwhelmed by the smells of the delicious foods and the different... Uh, things that you can find there. Um, you do notice that there is a uh, uh, individual there. Go ahead, uh, roll me a d20 to see what you find. That's an 8. An 8. Alright, since you got an 8 last time and we don't want to run into our magic merchant again, go ahead and roll for me again. 16. Alright. Oh god. Uh, you see a very interesting looking individual and by interesting I mean very does not settle well with you, a little bit revolting almost to your senses. Um, you see an individual and you smell death. Um, this individual has uh, very flamboyantly set up a coffin kind of as a stall uh, table and on it are all sorts of things that you don't want to look too closely at. There's wicked curved daggers, there's strange candles that seem to be made of something other than like beeswax. You don't want to ask too many questions. There's weird bottles of liquids and and strange locks of hair and, and books that you almost reflexively turn your eyes away from the spines before reading the um, titles of. Would you investigate this at all or would you immediately turn and go the other way? I would probably investigate a little bit just to make sure like there was no, I don't know, like just, just to find out whether this was like just a weird guy or whether this was actually like something like that I thought was like evil or wrong okay, on, okay. yeah no as you approach this individual uh, go ahead and roll me a d8 um, and let's see what race he is five a five okay you come upon this man and you can immediately the most disturbing uh, thing about him is that his eyes don't have any color to them they are white orbs in his head 
and uh, he has kind of a sickly gray tone about his skin, and he is wearing gloves and a robe. Um, he says, ah, I can see the aura of life about you. It hurts a little bit to look. Uh, can I interest you in anything here, Asa? I, I don't believe that this is all necessarily within your area of expertise. Uh, what do you have? I have items of all variety here. I have acids that can melt through anything. I have chains manacled. I have candles made from wax of all sorts of mummified creatures. I have daggers and ritual objects here that can bring life to that which has passed. I have books that can teach you to stop the effects of death as well as raise those who have died from their graves or even speak to the spirits of those who you do not raise yourself. I have bone bags full of bones of all variety of creatures. I have masks and skulls and pipes that call to the undead. There is very little I can't get my hands on that isn't slightly sinister, let's say. Would I have like a would I have a basic knowledge of necromancy before this? Like like based on my religious background, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, most of your healing spells would be necromantic in nature, um, but rather than feeding on the energy of life ebbing, you instead bolster that life so that it does not ebb. So you would, uh, simply because it's opposite of what you know, uh, you would know a little bit about it. Simply, you know, a lot of times you, as a cleric, would be sent to put down those that had been uh, raised from the dead, and since you are in the cavernous type region of the ice cap, or the frozen cap, uh, occasionally undead would find its way through those tunnels coming up from the dark bellows, so you would have some experience with undead. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't like this guy, but I'm not really looking to start trouble my first night here, so <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to leave more out. Alright, um, he does say just, uh, he does say uh, to you as you begin to walk away, just remember, cleric of life, you aren't the only one that can bring the dead back. And uh, as you turn around to look at him again, the coffin is gone. Uh, it's kind of a very freaky occurrence. You you look back and there's nothing where he was, just an empty alleyway. Okay, I, I'm officially freaked out a little bit. All right, you continue walking, and uh, in your haste, you notice that there is uh, a two gnomes, it appears, and a tall-looking human-type individual uh, with very striking green eyes um, uh, talking to a satyr that appears to be kind of dancing around, playing to children uh, with this pan flute. Um, but you don't really have a whole lot of time to uh, stand and watch. You want to get away from that whole area. Uh, and you continue down, and you are able to uh, get over to where the actual religious ceremony is happening. Um, you are... Uh, not invited to take part, but as a cleric, you would be given a little bit of, of uh, room to walk uh, as others kind of got out of your way, assuming that you're a part of all of this ceremony. And you do see your um, uh, fox folk friend, um, uh, Echo, uh, conducting a blessing right now to one of uh, the farmers that, uh, uh, you're assuming a farmer at least, that has come up to where he is standing. Uh, he places his hand on the farmer's tools and uh, the tools immediately, all the rust disappears off of them, and they shine like they're brand new plus a little bit. So uh, some sort of blessing just took place. Uh, after that happens, uh, Echo kind of waves you over 
and uh, tells the folks that he will be taking just a quick break. He needs to recharge his uh, spells a little bit and uh, take a short break. So another uh, uh, cleric takes over for him as he grabs a vial of blue glowing type liquid and uh, uh, drinks it uh, while approaching you. Hi. Okay, yeah. Uh, he greets you and says, It's been a busy day here. Have you uh, come for a blessing or to take part in anything? We have all sorts of wonderful things available here. Like what? Uh, well, we have, of course, uh, your normal blessings such as health and healing. Uh, we can also uh, pray for your continued health at a later point uh, in your time of most dire need. Uh, we also have all of the typical holy symbols and ritual books and prayer books and whatnot that you could need. We'd be happy to uh, assist you with any of that. Being as a Temple Guild member, you can get all of this kind of stuff very cheaply from us here. Yeah, I will, uh, I'd be happy to receive blessing. Okay, he says, uh, what kind of blessing can we uh, put upon you? Uh, I can uh, grant you a blessing to... Um, have knowledge that you normally wouldn't have as to an item of, of uh, unknown origin. I can give you a blessing that would allow you to uh, slough off the effects of any kind of poison that would come your way. Uh, we could grant you a blessing to remove a curse should one be laid upon you. Uh, what, what kind of blessing can we uh, help you with? Mm, I don't know. What do you think is best? Uh, well, uh, I don't know why you're in town necessarily, but if you seek to do any kind of work outside of the temple, uh, exploring or going through the portals and whatnot, it never hurts to be, um, uh, have a little bit of, uh, security should something terrible happen to you, such as, uh, be poisoned or paralyzed or anything like that. Otherwise, uh, all sorts of strange objects tend to come into your possession if you stay in town, uh, and we could help you uh, identify something uh, that would come into your possession um, uh, that you d wouldn't know on your own. Uh, anything like that would probably be the best idea. Uh, otherwise, we can always do a favor to be paid later, um, but I don't know how much good that would do you. Yeah, I'll definitely take advantage of the uh, identification later on, because I'm, I'm definitely planning on doing some exploring. Okay. Uh, I, will, I will let you know. Okay, he says... Well, then, for a measly uh, ten gold pieces, um, I would be more than happy to uh, bless this paper. And it wouldn't necessarily be a scroll. It would have an arcane symbol on it. Um, and he would say, and um, all you would need to do is just lay the item on top of this scroll, and all of the information pertaining to that item will be translated onto the paper. Once you use it, of course, it's no good, uh, other than as an instruction manual. But I would be more than happy to gift that to you. Very well, yeah. Okay, so then for ten gold pieces, he uh, recites this magic, and all of a sudden, this arcane um, symbol appears, and you would recognize it as, even though it's arcane magic, um, the symbols of the knowledge domain um, are all scribed upon it, and he rolls it up, um, seals it with a wax seal, and hands it to you. All right, he says, uh, well, then uh, if you want to mingle around and watch, you're more than welcome to. Otherwise, I'm sure I'll see you around the temple at some point. For sure. Oh, hey, one last question. Yes. You know any good places to find work in town? Oh, yes. Uh, the temple, uh, actually, if you talk to one of the high priests, uh, there's always a whole list of requests um, from followers and those in need. Otherwise, um, I know if you go over to the Mages Guild, 
where the portals are, uh, groups of adventurers are always looking to set out on all sorts of strange adventures, and there's giant boards there of different jobs that you can undertake, um, both domestic and through the portals. Um, and as a cleric, you would be welcome in almost any party, I guarantee it. I will, yeah, I'll be sure to check that out. Thank you. All right, so then do you return to the temple and call it a day? Yeah, I think so. All right, you return to the temple and um, spend the night. The very next day, you would know that there are a group of adventurers that will be heading out. Um, So you get up in the morning, say your morning prayers, and we will go ahead and end from there. And next time we we pick up, you will be either talking to a head priest looking for work or going to the Mage's Guild to jump through the portal. So thank you very, very much, Dave. This was a ton of fun, and hopefully we will get you in a group game very soon. All right. I'm super excited for it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this introduction of The Chaos Plan. We hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, I know this is a ton of fun for us here, and we are open to bringing in absolutely anybody that wants to. Just join our Patreon account, and we promise that you will be a part of the Chaos Plan game. You will get an intro mission like this, and then at least one group mission, and when scheduling works out with everybody, we can get multiple groups going, as this isn't going to be one continual storyline. This is going to be a series of one-shots that all meld together into an overarching idea and campaign. So if this is something that interests you, if there's a homebrew you really want to play, if there's a class, a race, something that really resonates with with you that you think would be a lot of fun to bring here, we encourage you to join the Patreon, put it up, and we will make it happen. Uh, You will also get a custom magic item that will grow with you throughout the campaign, and you can help use that item to shape the adventure in what you do. So if this is something that you feel interests you, please, please, please join our Patreon account, and we would be more than happy to get you on the show here. To do that, go to patreon.com slash adventuringguild, and I hope to see you there.